We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And unfortunately, it's another podcast to recap a Bears loss. The Chicago has now lost three straight games. They sit at 5-4 and four after their bit recent blunder um, in Tennessee. And blunder is kind of just putting it nicely, Aaron. Yeah. Um, ugh, man, I don't Lost was that their worst, was, I mean, was that their worst game of the year? Because it yeah, kind of I mean, feels like it. It's up there, man. It was just – I mean, I think you can look at a couple of the games, like maybe the first half of um, Atlanta, the second half of the Giants. Um, maybe the Rams game overall was kind of bad. But in terms of, like, full 60 minutes, four quarters straight, I mean, this was, this was just god-awful. Yeah, it just, I, you know, man, it's it seems like they're progressively getting worse. And that's, I mean, they're five and four. They're still sitting right in the mix for a wild card spot. But, man, I just, I mean, the offense is just a huge issue. I know people want to blame the defense. And, they'll, you know, if you look at the box score, you look at it and you say, oh, it was 24-17, you know, the Bears defense gave up too many points. But, I mean, anybody who watched that game knows. I mean, it just, they turned the ball over twice. One of those turnovers resulted in, directly in a touchdown off the fumble from David Montgomery. I mean, just it, it, they didn't score any points until the fourth quarter. I mean, they scored all 17 points in garbage time over the fourth quarter. I mean, it's just 
this is getting progressively worse. Um, the only thing I can say maybe positively right now is that it sounds like Matt Nagy may actually give up the play calling. I don't know if it'll happen on Monday against the Vikings or if they're going to go into the bye week and get things figured out. And I don't know who knows how much better things will get because of who they have as coaches and how much they've already failed as offensive coordinators and play callers themselves. But it does sound like at this point in time that Nagy's starting to realize that he is a decent-sized part of the problem right now. Yeah, and you know, a couple of weeks ago we were sitting here doing this podcast and, and the Bears were five and one. And although, you know, they're winning ugly, I think the storyline around the team was pretty much, hey, they don't care how they're winning. They're five and one. They're not gonna apologize to anyone. And most people I'd say that, that cover this team and, and do podcasts and kind of have their eyes open on this team thought, you know, there were there were problems with the offense. I don't think, you know, there was at any point um in this season where you could confidently say the offense is good. Maybe the first two weeks, um, there were times where the offense was okay. They were averaging like 130 yards rushing. Um, you know, even Mitch Trubisky is moving the ball a little bit. But now it's like the, the rhetoric on this team is just completely flipped. I mean, they are bad. They are very bad offensively. And if not for this defense, you know, they probably sit here with two wins, maybe three wins at most. But now they're in a spot, and they're 5-4. and four. They got seven games left in the season. Their bye week is coming up. And it just feels like doom written all over this team. And another way of looking at it for me is I still think they're stuck in, like, football hell here because they're not good enough. Even if they were to squeak into the playoffs, they're not good enough to make any noise. I think the only way they win a playoff game is if they get stuck with the NFC East. And even then, it's not a guarantee to win. Um, but they're also not bad enough where they could be sitting in the top 10 and have a shot at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or maybe even Trey, uh, Trey Lance or, or Zach Wilson out of BYU. They're going to be stuck anywhere from 15 to like that 22, 23 range, depending on, you know, what happens if they do make the playoffs. And that's just, you know, not where you want to be at, especially when you look at next year, Nick Foles is going to opt into his contract. Mitch Trubisky is going to be gone. You know, if you're looking at getting a quarterback, you're either going to have to go out and, and somehow miraculously free up a ton of money and pull off a miracle and sign Dak Prescott, or you're going to have to find a way to maybe trade up and get one of these quarterbacks because that is the most important piece on your offense. And I know Matt Nagy deserves a lot of blame. The offensive line stinks, but they're kind of also in quarterback hell right now as well. Well, they're, they're in a really bad spot. I mean, there's just no other way around it because they're – Tied against the cap, moving into the next few years, especially with all the COVID stuff and the fact that the cap's, you know, the cap's going to go probably anywhere from 175 to 180 um, after being almost 200. And you combine that with just looking at this offense right now, and, and it's it's a situation where the offensive lines in shambles. Uh, I, you know, you got both tackles that need to be replaced. Uh, Jermaine Effetti is clearly not the answer. I mean, he's clearly not the answer at one of the guard spots. So you need another interior lineman there. Um, and then you look at, you know, just the tight end situation. Jimmy Graham is clearly not even close to the player that he used to be. He's probably going to be gone next year just, you know, due to cap space and all that stuff. And then Cole Komet really hasn't done much of anything. And then you turn yourself around and you look at the receivers and I think the Bears are in a solid spot receiving-wise. I mean, it's one of those situations where a lot of this is going to depend on Allen Robinson at this point. And 
you know, whether they decide to tag him, whether they get a long-term deal done. I mean, the fact that they still haven't got anything done with him is definitely not a good sign, and I just don't understand it. But then all of a sudden, you look over, and you've got the quarterback situation where, like you pointed out, I mean, Trubisky's going to be gone at the end of this season. Nick Foles is absolutely going to opt in. He's going to have the snap count needed and all the other stuff to to do what he needs to do. Um, good, good chance that – you know, when it's all said and done, he's probably going to end up costing a few more million next year because of how the, the restructure was structured. And, I mean, you're just kind of looking at a, a situation right now where you either go out and you spend big money on, let's just say Dak Prescott gets loose, or, you know, maybe another veteran um, either gets traded or gets cut like a Matt Ryan or somebody like that. Or, um, you know, you, you look at the situation in the draft right now, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Justin Fields is probably, in my, in my personal opinion, is going to go top five. I mean, he's having another great season right now. So you're really looking at a situation where you're probably going to have to trade up for a quarterback, even let's just say you finish seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, in a, in a scenario where they just completely collapse. And I mean, they're well on their way to doing that right now. They're five and four, but they're five and one three weeks ago. And you look at that situation and all of a sudden you've got to, you know, you're probably still going to have to trade up. It's just a matter of who do you target between Trey Lance or, or Zach Wilson? And, you know, do you have, maybe do you, do you have those guys closely graded to somebody like a Mac Wilson or a Kyle Trask or somebody like that? I don't know. And that's kind of the situation where, if it was me personally, like I've zoned in on my guy, at Zach Wilson from BYU. And, but I mean, he's, he's kind of catching that helium right now too, where he may end up being a top 10 to pick as well. So then you're looking at a situation if you're the bears, where do you trade up and grab your quarterback? Let's just say, you know, the most realistic target, let's just say that is Zach Wilson within a top 10, but then you're trading up to take the third best quarterback. It's just a situation right now where, there is no easy answer for this team right now. Like you pointed out, even if they make the playoffs, you know, even if by some miracle they end up sneaking in as a wild card and they make the playoffs, they're not going to win any games. And even if they win one game, it's not like this is a Super Bowl contender. I mean, there's no way this offense is going to turn around. So, I mean, either way, you're still going to have the same issues going into the offseason with limited resources being able to handle. I mean, thank God they got a first, second, and third round pick this year. I mean, they don't have a fourth, but they've got – ways to, to to fix things but when you're talking about offensive tackle you're talking about possibly receiver offensive guard uh maybe another tight end quarterback I mean they have so many different you know voids that they're going to have to fill and I mean it's just going to be impossible to tackle the, all that with the one offseason and you look at the defense side of the ball and you're going to have guys there too where you're going to have to start making decisions I mean Roy Robertson-Harris is out for the year. Uh, he's probably going to be somebody that they're not going to be able to afford to keep. Maybe Mario Edwards is somebody that they can keep around his depth. But then you look at it, and it's like Kyle Fuller is going to be making a ton of money next year. Do you try to maybe get him extended and get that cap number down a little bit? I mean, they have a lot of, a lot of questions that they're going to have to answer on the defensive side of the ball, not to mention a lot of these guys are getting older. Cleo Mack's going to be another year older. Akeem Hicks is going to be another year older. It's like you start looking at some of these guys, even a guy like Kyle Fuller, he's going to be another year older. It's like the window – isn't closed by any means on the defense, but it's closing and closing and closing. We're starting to see a very similar path that we saw with the Bears on a Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith, where you had a really good defense and you're wasting it away because you cannot get an offense together. And there's just so many questions on the offensive side of the ball where it's going to take multiple off seasons of fixings. And obviously fixing the offensive line and fixing the quarterback situation has to be the number one priority right now. But with limited resources, especially in the cap department, how do you do that? 
Yeah, I mean, you're right because you typically look at an NFL team and, you know, unless you have one of the great quarterbacks in, in Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, um, guys like that, your, your window's not going to be very big. And when you look at this Bears team in 2018 and, you know, just that magical kind of season they had, it ended not the way we all wanted it to. You looked at them and you said, okay, their window's probably three to four years max because these contracts down the line are going to start you know, showing up and hurting them. And the Bears are going to do a really good job of rebuilding through the draft, signing free agents, things like that to kind of maintain it and extend that window. So far, they really haven't done a great job of that. Outside this 2020 draft class, you look at Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, they look like players. They look like guys that you're going to, you can have around for the next four to five years. Um, Pace has kind of missed on some key spots. Right now, I mean, I don't think you can say Anthony Miller is a hit. I haven't seen any progression from him um, in his Bears career. You look, they haven't had first-round picks, so they traded him for Cleo Mack. And David Montgomery's had his fair share of struggles as well. So, you know, you, you look at this team, and, and you're absolutely right, man. Outside of maybe Roquan Smith as a draft pick um, in 2018, they really haven't hit on a whole lot. Um, in key areas either. So these contracts are going to come back and, and bite them. I mean, they have a kind of a revolving door around the strong safety position. They, they've had three different guys in three different seasons now. Um, they have not drafted to address that need at all. They do seem confident in Deion Bush, but it's not like he's here on a long-term deal either. I mean, he keeps signing these short-term deals. You're going to need some help at inside linebacker with Roquan Smith. You know, Danny Trevathan's not going to be here forever. Like you said, with Kyle Fuller, um, Khalil Max getting older, it, it, and Akeem Hicks has a big cap hit. So it just feels like they're you know, wasting another great opportunity with this defense. And it's just the story of our lives as Bears fans. They just cannot get this offense figured out. You know, whatever the different problems have been over the years, whether it's been injuries or, or just poor offensive performance in general, this year kind of seems like, all of the above, injuries to the offensive line, no production at key spots, uh, play calling is not very good, the quarterback situation is not very good. It's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of Bears fans, but I think now we're kind of entering that territory of with seven games left, this team is not a real contender. Is it better to kind of lose out all your games? I don't think they will because I do think that of those seven games, five of them are very winnable. Um, the other two, the Packers, are, are they're probably going to lose both games to the Packers. But you're entering this territory where it's like, what do we have to look forward to? Um, I, I guess the good news is, is you know, you can flip the switch quickly if you do hit on a quarterback prospect or do hit on a couple draft picks, sign some free agents. You could be right back to being contenders within two to three years. But you, you didn't imagine that, you know, going back to that 2018 season. You thought this team had a, had a window of, of three to four years. And it's just kind of started slowly – crumbled and I think now we're seeing kind of the end of this because if this thing starts to you know get ugly and go downhill I mean things are going to move fast and uh I mean there's no telling what really could happen with this franchise Aaron let's hit our first break of the show and then we'll get into our recap of Tennessee and exactly what the Bears problems are um on offense we'll be right back after this Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. And welcome back into the Bearport podcast. 
Aaron and I were just talking about, you know, the kind of the, the long-term struggles this team might have in next season's projections with a couple um, tough roster decisions. But, Aaron, looking at this team right now, it's easy to say their offense is just not good. They're in, at, near the bottom in every category. Thank God for the Jets. Otherwise, the Bears would be 32nd in every major offensive um, statistic. They're just not good, and it's a, it's a mixture of things. It's play calling. It's poor offensive line play. It's poor quarterback play. No run game. And it's the details. I mean, this is an offense that still continues to commit dumb penalties at, at the wrong time that sets their team back. They can't run a two-minute drill at the end of the half to save their lives. And they're still burning timeouts out of breaks. It's, it's just a complete mess. And for me, I think this thing is going to get even worse before it gets even better. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, I don't know how else to put it, man. I mean, just watch the team, and it's just – they're bad. I don't know – you know, they're 5-4. and four. I get that. They're still over 500. They're still in a solid position for a playoff spot. They're just bad. I don't really know how else to – it's just that simple right now. They're a bad football team, and more importantly, they're a – boring football team to watch i mean they're boring they're frustrating it's just it's not a good combination and you know you, you look forward in you know you kind of said it uh you know right before we went in the break talking about how uh you know they, they've got some easier games coming up but i mean can we confidently say i know i can't but can you confidently say that the the bears can be favored or you know, guaranteed win or, you know, even feel confident about winning any of these games coming up? Well, no, and here's a good look at it. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs at home to Minnesota this week. Well, and, and to be completely fair, Minnesota's been playing a lot better football lately. I mean, there's an argument to be made that as of right now, at least how the two teams have been playing, I mean, I would argue that Minnesota may actually be the better team than the Bears right now. Obviously, we'll see Matt Nagy's own – uh, Minnesota since, you know, becoming the Bears head coach. He's 4-0 against them, and he's 5-0 and against the Lions. But still, I mean, it's just a situation where you look at this team and their defense is playing well, but their offense is so awful right now that even when they play a bad defense in Tennessee, they still can't get anything going. They can't score any points until the fourth quarter. So it's just a situation where – it's hard to look at any of the games on their schedule and say, yeah, they're going to win that one. I mean, maybe Jacksonville because Jacksonville is really bad. But, I mean, even that, I mean, it's you're looking at a situation where the Bears just – I mean, the Bears are really bad too. I mean, just to give you an idea, I mean, it's kind of crazy to look at. If you go and look at the standings and just all around the league right now, I mean, there's there's multiple teams including the Raiders – and the Dolphins that have better records than the Bears right now. And obviously I think that says a little bit more about those teams and just how well uh, they've rebounded from the rebuilds and, you know, just how well they're doing as franchises right now. But it's just, it's, man, it's really tough to watch the Bears play and then you watch another game and you see even, even some of the bad offenses in the league right now look better than the Bears. The Bears can't run the ball. They can't protect the quarterback. They're not consistently passing the ball. They're not consistently moving the ball. And they're obviously not scoring points right now. It's just, you know, I hate to be so negative, but it's just one of those situations where I've kind of reached that point in the year, unless they turn things around, where it's like I would rather just see the season end and see what they do this offseason. And kind of like you pointed out earlier, I mean, they're quickly approaching that territory of it would be best if they just continue to lose games. I mean, it's just it's really getting to that point because they have so many holes and they could use the highest draft slots possible, especially when you're looking at what they're going to do quarterback situation. I mean, even, even if Dak Prescott gets – 
gets out of Dallas and they, you know, the bears decide they go after him. And even if they land him, it's like, you still got at least one of your tackles to replace. You've got, you know, an interior lineman to replace. You've got, you know, another tight end to add, probably another receiver to add at this point. I mean, the, the list is so big to where, again, you're not going to be able to fix it all in one off season. But it's going to take a lot to even overhaul this offense. And we haven't even talked about running back. I mean, I understand the offensive line has been bad, but, I mean, David Montgomery has not been that good. I mean, he's consistently missing holes, in my opinion. I mean, he just he looks a little gun-shy. And I think the biggest thing with him that I've seen so far is he just lacks any sort of burst. And it, it's almost kind of like the whole Jordan Howard thing all over again where Matt Nagy was – basically you know all but come out and said you know Jordan Howard doesn't fit the offense because he's too slow he's too this he's too that but we're seeing a lot of the same things with David Montgomery without the production that Jordan Howard was giving the Bears in terms of being a thousand yard rusher and everything else that came with it and it's just I mean it's just again man this offense is so boring and there's so many issues and there's so many holes that even if they change play callers I mean, how much can we realistically expect this team to change over the next seven games I don't think much me either. And, you know, it kind of feels like the bye week is coming at the right time for them just so they can get healthy. And maybe Matt Nagy does make the switch uh, um, as play caller. Listening to him the past two days compared to or, or Monday and Sunday compared to previous weeks when he was asked about giving up play calling duties, he had a different tone. And for me, he kind of seemed more open, which leads me to believe I think they're actually going to make the switch um, during the bye week. You have one game within 20 days coming up after this Monday nighter here um, against the Vikings. So it's, this is the perfect time. This is the time where you, you can you can take those extra couple of days. You know, you you bring in Dave Ragone, you bring in Bill Lazor, you bring in John Filippo, your entire offensive staff. You sit there and you look at it and you make a decision collectively. And I think that starts with Matt Nagy admitting, hey, I'm not suited right now to, to call plays in the NFL. I need to focus on being a head coach. Maybe we try to switch things up because whatever I'm doing isn't working, and it hasn't worked. And I was thinking about this the other day. Go back to 2018. The Bears 12-4. and four, And, you know, they kind of had that magical season where, you know, a lot of things went their way. A lot of things didn't go their way. They did look good those first, let's say, seven to eight games. They looked like an offense that was, you know, making strides and moving forward and, you know, getting better as the season was going on. And even though they lost to New England late in the game and they lost to the, the, the Dolphins in a scorching hot overtime game, they were getting better and they were moving the football, things like that. Since then, since about like what, week eight, nine, ten of that season, their offense has literally regressed every single week, including 2019 and into 2020. And I think when you look at that, a lot of people were quick to blame Mitch Trubisky. Myself, I, I, I think you would admit it as well. A lot of people will admit it. I have to look at it now and say, maybe, you know, Matt Nagy was just using Mitch Trubisky as a shield, and maybe his offense just sucks. Maybe his scheme sucks. Maybe his play calling sucks. I think as a head coach, Matt Nagy is a, is a, is a good head coach. He, he, he wins the respect of his players because we've seen in Chicago before, Mark Trestman completely lost that locker room. Players stopped playing for him. John Fox, players were playing for him. He just wasn't a very good head coach for that type of team. Matt Nagy, I think, to me, is a good head coach. He's just not a good play caller. He, you know, he can um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? He, he can kind of relate to the players. You know, he, he's definitely a player's coach. When it comes to play calling, I think this is the one mistake he really needs to give up and, and give up those play calling duties. You have to admit your mistake. You admit it on Mitchell Trubisky as a franchise. You're going to have to admit it on Nick Foles, I think, eventually, because I'm not advocating for Trubisky or anything. But if Nick Foles continues to play this way, I don't know what you're going to do. And you're going to have to chalk it up as a mistake because that was your guy. And now you're going to have to admit a mistake that you just can't call plays. Otherwise, if they don't do that, this offense isn't getting better. Yeah, I mean, obviously what we're seeing is the quarterback situation is – I mean, it's just – it's bad. And it's really obviously, bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it is. And, you know, at this point, I mean, it's kind of one of those – and I don't think they're going to do it. But at this point, I do think maybe Trubisky gives them a better chance to at least hang around. I don't think he's as good of a quarterback in terms of throwing the ball, but I think his athleticism and just what he can bring with his legs is something that this team desperately needs right now. And who knows? I mean, he was taking a lot of sacks even when the protection was pretty decent you know, because he lacks pocket awareness. I mean, either way, here's the reality. And this is something, again, for all of our listeners, that you warned multiple times about during training camp, whether it was your writing, whether it was you coming on talking on the podcast about – how bad this quarterback competition looked. And I'm not, and, the, I'm not the only one either. No, you're not. You're not even close. And that's the kind of the thing. I mean, there, there were a few times that I'd retweet your stuff and people would be, you know, oh, he's just being negative. I've noticed that he's being negative this offseason. It's like, okay, or Zach is there and paying attention. And he sees this and, you know, and obviously I think you were one of the first ones that kind of come out and really be like, dude, this is, this looks terrible. And then, you know, obviously and I'm not saying other people followed your lead. I'm just saying as time progressed during training camp, more writers were like, okay, this is, this is bad. This does not look good, which again is why I think that Trubisky won the competition to start with because neither guy was good. And it's like, well, you might as well go with the guy, you know, but I mean, it's just, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know what they were expecting. I mean, we, we talked about it going back to the offseason in March when they made this move. We talked about it. This was one of the guys that neither one of us really wanted to see. We know who Nick Foles is. You know, I honestly thought he was going to have a little bit more of a steady presence than what he has so far. Um, but, you know, the offensive line has been bad. The, the offense as a whole has been bad. The confusion has been bad. I mean, there's, there's a lot of issues – as a play caller, um, you know, from Matt Nagy and just the design of this offense. But, I mean, I also think that we have to objectively look and say, okay, yes, I, I do think Matt Nagy is a large part of this issue. I mean, I mean, if you really go back and you look at it, he's gotten everything that he wants. He got, you know, his coaches, you know, he retooled his coaching staff. He's got, you know, his weapons. They've drafted, you know, and they've signed guys and they've done all this stuff. He finally gets, you know, the quarterback that he can work with out of all the options that they had in free agency – and this is the product that we get, a worse offense than last year. And that's just – I mean, there's there's a ton of issues there, and I'm not saying that Matt Nagy isn't one of the big ones, but I also do think that we have to look, look at the situation and say, dude, both these quarterbacks suck. I mean, it's just all there is to it. The, the quarterback situation is terrible. The quarterback situation moving into the season, going into the offseason – was one of the worst in the NFL. There's no upside there. Okay, so, you know, you had to hope, and we, we both hoped that Trubisky, we didn't expect it, but we both hoped that Trubisky's, you know, the light with Trubisky was going to click and everything would be good. That didn't happen. Then we kind of hoped, you know, Nick Foles would come in and give him a spark. He did for a little bit, but here we are. And here's the situation. The, the offense is bad. The quarterback situation is terrible. 
and changes have to be made. If you want to make Nick Foles your backup and you want him there as a leader and blah, blah, that's fine. I mean, you're going to have that. You're going to have him there anyway because the reality of it is, is if you've watched him play quarterback at all this year, he's not going to opt out and leave money on the table to go elsewhere and get less money. I mean, unless he really, him and Matt Nagy really don't get along and he really doesn't want to be in this offense then he's not opting out. So, I mean, the, the reality of it is, is Trubisky's going to go elsewhere. I don't know if he's going to end up getting a backup job or if he's going to you know, get a job to compete somewhere. It doesn't matter. He's gone. Foles is going to be on this roster because of how the contract is structured, and he's not going to opt out, which means now you're looking at it and you say, okay, F- Trubisky's not going to be here. Foles is clearly not the starter. This is the even somebody, if you're going to even remotely try to compete next year, you cannot go into the season with Nick Foles as a starter. So, I mean, that's just, that's just where it's at, which is why I don't personally like the idea of drafting somebody uh, like Trey Lance, because I think Trey Lance is much like, and he's not even on the same talent level as Patrick Mahomes. And it's not to take anything away from him, but he's not, he's not on that level where you want him to sit for at least a year. The Bears cannot afford that right now. It's just as simple as that. If you're going into a competition or if you're keeping the competition window open, you know, the perceived competition window, you need a quarterback that can come in and at least have the chance to start week one. Or even if it's a similar situation to how it has been this year with Trubisky and Foles, you have to have somebody that is capable of starting in year one at bare minimum. And even then, you kind of have to look at it and say, okay, well, how much of a leash do Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have? Because, again, and I'll say this, unless they fall completely on their face and win maybe one or two games the rest of the season, and even two games, I mean, they'd still be seven and nine. I don't see how both of them are not back next year. So I don't think we're going to see any sort of crazy change. But then you have to look at it from the ownership standpoint and say, okay, with the McCaskies, are they really wanting to see Ryan Pace take another quarterback and have another coaching change going into, let's just say, year two or year three. I mean, you're looking at a situation like Trubisky. You're looking at a situation like Daniel Jones. You're looking at a situation like, uh, you know, Sam Darnold. You're looking at those kind of situations where a different regime drafts a quarterback that high. And then you're basically bringing in a, a general manager who views him as that quarterback. And then you got to bring in a head coach that views him as that quarterback as well. I don't know if they're really looking to go back down that same road again. And honestly, I wouldn't blame him if they do, but then that kind of brings up the question. It's like, do you, do you allow Ryan Pace to go out and spend big money if Dak Prescott becomes available? Um, do, you, do you want him to go out and get a, a veteran that might get cut like a Matt Ryan or a trader, whatever it may be? I mean, or do you, do you basically tell Ryan Pace, okay, you know, you've got to spend in other areas and you've got to use other resources, so go out and get yourself somebody like a Sam Darnold or go out and get you somebody like a you know a Daniel Jones. I mean, I, and honestly, at this point, I don't like either one of those options. And I think bringing either one of those quarterbacks into this type of situation, when you're looking at the Giants' offense and you're looking at the Jets' offense in those situations, and then you're looking at the Bears, there's a lot of similarities there where I don't have much confidence, if any at all, that if you brought in somebody like a high you know high round draft pick like a Sam Darnold or a Daniel Jones, that they would actually even that they, they would even remotely succeed. Then you're talking about wasting, at worst, probably a, you know, a, mid-round, a mid-round pick at that point on a, another guy, and then you're right back in the same situation. You've got no quarterback. It's just, 
again, man, I don't mean to sound so negative, but they're in such a weird spot right now. And they're, they're kind of in no man's land. And I know a lot of people, it's like, okay, even if they make the playoffs, that doesn't really change anything because you still don't have a quarterback. You still have multiple holes on the offensive line. You still have weapons that you have to add offensively. It's just, they're in a really bad spot. And one of the reasons that they're in such a bad spot is because of some of the decisions that Ryan Pace made this off season. It's like you pull the, the fifth round, uh, the fifth round, sorry, the, the fifth year option on a guy like Leonard Ford. And then you go out and you spend $14 million a year on a guy like Robert Quinn, who hasn't done much of anything at all this year. You're adding more resources on the defensive side of the ball when the offense is clearly the need there you guarantee the kind of money that you guarantee to a 30 year old edge rusher. And now again, you're limited in resources because not only did you do all that and you, you guaranteed all those resources over the next few years when you didn't have much cap space, but then you also structure the contract in such a way where Robert Quinn's not making a whole lot this year. And then he's going to start making a whole lot the next few years. So it's just, again, it's such a conundrum that Ryan Pace has put himself in. And I think this is a very different situation if they hit on Trubisky. If Trubisky was the guy, they make the trade for Mac, they do a couple of things, you're able to kind of retool the offensive line this offseason. Let's just say you cut Charles Leno and you know you draft a guy and you make some other moves and you move some money around and kick the can down the road. I think we're talking about a very, very different situation. But because they don't have a quarterback and because they have this mess of an offense, it really puts them in a tough position moving forward because, again, there's limited resources and they have a lot of holes on the offensive side of the ball and not much to work with. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pretty much screwed in a way. And I think even making the playoffs would, you know, I want to root for a team that makes the playoffs. I want to cover another playoff game. But making the playoffs would actually be worse for them in this situation with just how the cap is going to go um, and, their, and their draft position. I'm kind of glad you brought up the training camp stuff because, I mean, you're right, man. When a lot of us on the Bears beat were talking about the quarterbacks, I mean, through all of our tweets, you could see, yeah, these two guys aren't good. And there'd be days where, you know, four of us would have Trubisky the winner, five would have Foles, or four would have Foles, and it'd be kind of split. And I think people took that as, oh, man, like, it's just they don't know what they're talking about. They're wrong. They can't see a clear winner. Well, no. Obviously, we'd, we'd love for it to be close in a good way, it was just close in a bad way. Neither guy was good. And that was essentially the worst case scenario for the Bears going into this offseason. Matt Nagy went out and got his guy. Ryan Pace traded a draft pick for him, gave him a, a deal with the restructure, and he, he's not good. He stinks. And, you know, there are things that Foles does better than Mitch Trubisky. I think he can make some of the, the, the downfield throws um, more accurately. Um, he can read a defense a lot better. However, he is just a statue in the pocket, and his pocket awareness right now is just very bad. He cannot feel the pressure, and when you have an offensive line that is breaking down because they are onto second and third stringers, you're going to have a lot of times where Nick Foles is not going to have any time to throw, and he's going to have to read the defense and, and understand who's coming from where and, and feel that pressure and get out of the pocket. He can't do that. Mitch Trubisky can, but also at the same time, you know, you look at some of these throws that Foles is making, Mitch Trubisky's not making those throws. It, it, it's tough, man, and, and I don't want – I'm not saying Mitch is better or anything like that. I just think for me watching it and analyzing it, I just think it just even – it should be more entertaining with Mitch in there at this point because we just know what Foles is. At least Mitch will give you those plays where he keeps keep him alive with his feet and make a big play, but then he'll turn the ball over. 
as weird as it sounds, it's just more entertaining uh, for me to watch that way. And I think eventually the Bears are going to make the switch, you know, once Trubisky's healthy. He's not healthy right now. You have to wait till after the bye week. Aaron, that goes into our next segment here um, with our ad raid. Bearport listeners, you know what I'm about to say. My bookie is giving you the chance to put some money in your pockets as we approach the holiday season. We have late fall college football. We have the NBA coming back. UFC's Fight Island is coming back, and they're also doing a couple more in, uh, in, in different cities. It's clear that the year 2020 has been a year unlike any other, and this is why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. MyBookie.com has some good offers for you and a special offer for pro, for overtime listeners here of the Bear Report podcast. As you, all you have to do is you put in your money, promo code overtime when you deposit your money, you'll get a match of up to a thousand bucks. So essentially, you put in you know two hundred bucks, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. Boom, there you go. You have some money to go out there and bet. Um, they, also the, they also boost a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic tables, slot, and card games if you're not into betting. Um, that's perfect for those guys that, you know, maybe you don't want a sports bet. Maybe you just want to play, you know, some, some casino games. But you can't because, you know, casinos are limited right now and COVID's out there. My bookie has you covered. Don't forget, use promo code OVERTIME. And they'll, they'll match your deposit halfway up to a thousand bucks. Once again, it's promo code overtime to match your deposit halfway up to a thousand bucks. So, Aaron, as we were talking about this offense, you know, you flip things over to the defense and they're playing well. And, you know, I, I, I did see this is the second game in a row that they have not had a takeaway, which is, you know, a little concerning. They're playing well enough to keep you in games and keeping their offense in games to win them. And going into this past week, you know, you look at it and they had the tough task of stopping Derrick Henry. They held him to under 75 yards, no touchdowns. And for the most part, I think they did a good job on Ryan Tannehill. He made the one deep throw to A.J. Brown, which was actually really good coverage by Buster Screen. Um, Brown just made a really good catch and then rumbled into the end zone. And then there was one more throw, maybe over the middle, that Tannehill had on third down. Other than that, though, he threw for 175 yards and wasn't very accurate on the day. How frustrating do you think it is for this defense to see this offense go out and perform like this week in and week out? Heading into the fourth quarter, Ryan Tannehill had five completions. He was five for 16 going in the fourth quarter. He had under 100 yards. I mean, I think when you when you look at what the defense did, right, I mean, not only did they – did they look good against the pass for the most part? I mean, obviously they had those drives where, you know, things kind of fell apart a little bit, but they also limited Derrick Henry well under a hundred yards. I mean, he averaged less than four yards a carry. And I mean, you look at what the defense was able to do. And I think it really came down to basically two drives um, that drive towards the end of the, the, the first half. And then I think, what was it, the drive? I think it was the third. Was it the third quarter or the fourth quarter where they had the, the – the, when they went up 17-0? I mean, at that point, it, or was it 24? Maybe No, I guess it was 24-7 or 24-14, whatever the hell it was, or 24-10. I can't even remember. That's, the game was such a blur. But that last defensive touchdown that they gave up was kind of – all right, you know, but – I mean, they had two bad drives on the entire game, you know, and it's like you look at what they were able to do as a whole. And again, man, I mean, 17 defensive points, you should be winning almost every single one of those games. But because of this offense, you give up 17 points, or in their case, you know, when it's 24, when it was all said and done because of the, the defensive touchdown for Tennessee. And 
you're in the position. I mean, it, it's just a situation where, you, you know, and, and I've seen a few different people talk about it where, okay, the Bears aren't getting turnovers. I get that, okay, you know, but at the same time, it, it's one of those situations where if you're giving up not a lot of yards and not a lot of points, you should be winning these games. But unfortunately, the Bears' offense is so anemic right now where there's all these unrealistic expectations defensively, and I'm sure that it has to be frustrating. I mean, they talked about on the broadcast how Akeem Hicks basically said they just got to go out and do their job. They're not worried about anything else. But that's lip service. I mean, that's just that's just simply, you know, in, in a sense, it's coach speak. I mean, you're basically – talking to people, you know, as a whole kind of like they're idiots and don't really, you know, you don't really want to put out a whole bunch of what you're actually feeling. But the reality of it is, is this defense is going on its third straight year of being really damn good. And because the offense can't score points, they're being heavily relied upon on a weekly basis. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, people are blaming them at the end of every single game like it's their fault that they lose these games. I mean, it's, again, they're not as dominant as they were in 2018, but I do think they're better than they were last year. And a lot of it just comes down to the fact that the offense is so much worse than it has been, where there's so much more focus and reliance on the defense to keep them in games. And that can only happen for so long. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, your offense is going to have to get on the field and score. You, you said it right, man. 17 points a game, essentially, going into this one. They gave up 17 of their own. Uh, they, they, they can't really do anything about the Montgomery fumble. Should be enough to win this game, especially, you know, Tennessee's offense isn't that good. And the Bears did a good job of limiting them, I think, outside of that A.J. Brown touchdown and, and the one try that Tannehill had that kind of, you know, maybe sealed it at the end. But the defense played well, and it's – Everyone, too. You know, Akeem Hicks, uh, Cleo Mack, um, Robert – not Robert Quinn, I'm sorry. He's been really struggling out there. Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. Safeties are playing well. The defensive backs are playing well. The bottom line is the Bears are going to waste another defense that, that is, looks like they're ready to at least go on a run towards a Super Bowl. Not win a Super Bowl or anything like that, but at least go on a run in the playoffs and, and give you a shot in every game. It, it's – it's frustrating for me to watch, and I'm sure it's frustrating for the players to watch. Um, Aaron, let's take our final break of the show. We'll be back, and we'll uh, preview Monday Night Football against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be right back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And next up for the Bears here will be a Monday night showdown in Week 10 against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, first time these two teams have met all season long. Matt Nagy entering the game 4-0 against Minnesota. And while the Vikings have had their struggles early on, um, this season with, with a poor defense and, and their offense kind of got off to a uh, little bit of a slow start there. You know, they've played very well over the past couple of weeks. And in most part, it's been thanks to um, Dalvin Cook, who, you know, went over 200 yards of scrimmage last week, had a big game against the Green Bay Packers the week before. They're now at three and five with a two-game win streak and, you know, kind of digging themselves out of a hole. They're scoring 217 points, which is second most in the division. They look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Watch a little bit of that game and and watching the game against the Packers. The Vikings look better than what they have earlier in the year. And as we said earlier, 
This is no guarantee for a win. The Bears are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home, which should tell you something. I think their defense is going to be good enough to slow down Minnesota's offense. However, I don't trust the Bears' offense to be able to move the ball on what is a, you know, a very poor Minnesota defense. Yeah, I mean, it's the Vikings are playing a lot better. And, you know, something we kind of talked about going into the season and something that I previewed within the NFC North preview was that Minnesota, in a sense, really retooled this offseason, right? You know, you look at a lot of the veterans that they let go. I mean, they let all three starting corners walk. I mean, that Trey Wayne, well, more to the point, they cut Xavier Rhodes and they let Trey Wayne's walk, and then they let uh, Mackenzie Alexander, their nickel corner, walk as well. And, you know, they got rid of Linval Joseph. Um, they traded Stephon Diggs. They really, in a lot of ways, retooled. And but the thing, the thing about the Vikings is, is they still have some talent. I know a lot of people like to talk crap on Kirk Cousins, but he's still a top fifteen quarterback, and that'll get you a long way in this league. And you know they're a young team; they're still trying to figure things out. Maybe they figured things out. I mean, it's just kind of the ebbs and flows of the the season, as we've seen. It's like. You know, Tampa Bay look like world beaters. They look like one of the best teams in the in, in the entire league. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had a close game last week. And then, you know, this, this past week, they get blown out by the Saints on Sunday night football. It's just one of those situations where the, now more than ever, especially in 2020, this is a very week-to-week league. And kind of like we talked about in the beginning with the Vikings – Matt Nagy has done very well against the Vikings. The Bears are 4-0 against the Vikings since he took over as the head coach. Um, so, you know, there's obviously some history there that would lend you to believe that the Bears will win this game, but it's still going to be a tough one because the Vikings are playing a lot better and the Bears are playing a lot worse than they were a few weeks ago. So, again, I, I think a lot of this is going to come down to much like last week and the week before where can you contain the running back? I mean, and that's not to really, you know, say anything bad about the Vikings offense because they still have Adam Thielen. Um, you know, they have a really, really, really damn good rookie receiver, Justin Jefferson. Uh, they have a good offense. I mean, the defense has been kind of the issue all year, and their secondary is finally starting to play better. I mean, they still got a pretty good amount of talent on that defense. But, again, it's really going to come down to how well can they stop Dalvin Cook. And in years past, they've been able to do that very well. They've dominated Dalvin Cook in a lot of ways. But this isn't the same Bears defense, especially when you're looking at the uh, the run defense, uh, especially with Eddie Goldman not there, where they're going to have to pick up some slack and they're going to have to find a way to really you know, be able to stop that and be able to keep Kirk Cousins passing the ball and collapse the pocket. I mean, that's how they beat the Vikings almost every single game is they basically have been able to stop the run and they've been able to get a ton of pressure on Kirk Cousins and make him make some stupid mistakes and look bad. I mean, that's just kind of how the, the Bears have won these games against the Vikings over the last few years, and that's exactly how they're going to have to win it again on Monday night. And, you know, Kirk Cousins notoriously hasn't shown up in big primetime games. Um, he got that one playoff win last year, but – you know, in, in playoff games, he just hasn't showed up. And I think the Bears are going to have to kind of rely on that as well, stopping Delvin Cook. I think the Bears, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think the Bears have done a good job historically on Delvin Cook. Um, I want to say he's gone up against them three times. I, I, wanna, I think he was hurt one game. Um, but, they, I mean, last year going into week four, you know, Cook was a leading rusher in the NFL, and the Bears pretty much shut him down and, and won that game in, uh, to move to three and one. So 
Bears have done it before. I think they could do it again. However, like you said, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher task, especially with Eddie Goldman not, not in there. They're going to need a collective effort. They're not going to have Roy Robertson-Harris. He's going to likely go on IR. Um, you know, they're going to have to rely on Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, and Brent Urban to show up. Uh, Mario Edwards Jr. as well. And if they don't, you know, Cook could have another big game. And, you know, he's get, also getting it done in the receiving game as well. It's not just as a rusher. He's catching passes out of the backfield. I told you he was over 200 yards total scrimmage last um, week against Detroit. So he's kind of on a roll right now. This game for the Bears, you know, it's a chance to end your losing streak. It's a chance to kind of get things on track, get to 6-4, and four, go into the bye week and kind of recoup and figure things out. But for me, if they don't show any signs of improvement on offense, it's just going to tell me, I, like, you have to give up on them. It's never going to happen. And, you know, hopefully they can move the football on offense. If they can't, it's going to be one of those close games again. And, uh, you know, I'd probably lean towards the Vikings um, once again in this game. The problem is, you know, you can't really trust the Bears to move the ball on offense right now. They haven't shown it. Um, pretty much had all this season. So why trust them this week? Aaron, uh, do you want to get into our X factor and prediction? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll go first since you went first last time. So I'm going to go. I, I think the Bears are going to win this game. I'm going to pick them to win this week. I think it's going to be close, though. Um, I'm going to go Bears. I'll say Bears 23. Um, I'll go Vikings Let's say 19. I, I think it'll come down to one of the possessions late in the game. I think the Bears will kind of pull ahead with the touchdown. I don't think their offense is going to be much better, but I think they'll be good enough to win this game. Um, for me, the X factor is, is going to be Matt Nagy and his play calling. I don't think they're going to turn it over this week because it's just kind of too short of notice. They're going to wait till after the week and do it during the bye. But he's got to be better at play calling. You know, the, the, the short yard stuff that he's calling is not working. Um, they're not getting to any rhythm, any flow, anything like that. He's got to have a good game play calling for the Bears to win this one. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm also – I don't know why, but I'm also going to pick the Bears to win. I mean, again, it's it's just one of those you, – you said you can't, you know, you can't tr- trust the Bears. I mean, you just can't. You you don't know what they're going to – how they're going to come out. And, and part of me kind of wonders even last week with, uh, you know, with the Tennessee game – if they score on that opening possession, how different does the game look? Do you, you know, do you build some confidence? That's kind of the thing. They've had some drives, you know, in, in the early parts of games where they look competent. They're moving the ball. They're doing different things. And then somehow, whether it's penalties, whether it's whatever, they they end up stalling out. So, yeah, I'm going to go Bears 2017. Um, again, another close game. Uh, X Factor for me, kind of like I talked about before, it's got to be stopping Dalvin Cook. And it's not just in the run game. It's in the passing game as well. I mean, again, this is kind of, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they just got done stopping Derrick Henry. Yeah, but Derrick Henry really isn't that dual threat. He's a really good runner. He's one of, if not the best, you know, pure running back in the league from a running standpoint. But I think you can go back and you can look at what, Alvin Kamara did this team two games ago, uh, you know, when, when they played the Saints. And that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for because 
the Bears did a pretty good job of stopping him as a runner, but the issue is that they didn't do a very good job stopping him as a pass catcher. And especially early on in the game, there wasn't a lot of adjustments and they weren't able to do a whole lot against him. And that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for in this. I mean, historically speaking, even last year where I wasn't overly confident in the Bears to be able to do anything against the Vikings and anything against Dalvin Cook, they were still able to stop him pretty handedly. And they've done a good job of that. And, you know, and, you know, sometimes as we've seen as Bears fans, especially with the quarterback situation with all the different things that have gone on sometimes history just has a weird way of rearing its ugly head and hopefully that you know that'll kind of hold true on Monday night uh, whether it's you know Kirk Cousins not being good in big game situations or whether that's just Dalvin Cook not being good against the Bears as a whole the fact that the Bears have just done really good against the Vikings um, you know in the, in the Matt Nagy era so Again, that's that's going to be my X factor. I think it's going to be another close game. Um, I, you know, the Bears have to hope they go in and they get this win and they go in the six and four into the bye week. I mean, they really do because if not, uh, I, I think we can pretty much all but call the season at that point. Even if you know, even if you're looking at the you know the standings and they still have a chance, I think at that point you're letting the Vikings back in. They'd be a half game back of you at that point with the tiebreaker because of a win. Um, and yeah, it, again, it's just it's one of those situations where. The Bears desperately need a win. I mean, if you can go into the bye week at six and four, you got a favorable schedule coming out outside of basically playing Green Bay for two games. I mean, in your in your last six games, you you have a lot of winnable games there, and there's still a clear path to make the playoffs. But again, man, they they've got to get back on track. I mean, this whole five and four thing, losing three games straight, uh, that is going to be the big key for them is is getting this win and trying to turn their season around. And we'll just have to see how it happens. I, I, I think it will happen somehow. Um, but again, this, this team's really hard to trust. A little bit of a fun fact for you before we go. Since 2010, the Bears have appeared on Monday Night Football 18 times. Only one team has appeared on them on Monday Night Football more. It's the New York Giants with 19. In that span, Bears are 12-6, and six, best record. Um, on Monday Night Football with the minimum games played uh, since 2010, uh, 706 win percentage. So Monday Night Football has it's been favorable for the Bears um, in, in the past decade. Um, you know, let's see, let's see how it goes this week. You know, obviously they are 0-1 on Monday nights this year. Um, this will be their last Monday night of the, uh, of the season as well. So hopefully they can find that Monday Night Magic and, and you know, get to 6-4. and four and kind of start to, to build from there because they have a very tough Green Bay team on the road coming out of that bye uh, on primetime football as well. So back-to-back primetime games for the Bears, which, uh, yeah, not, uh, not ideal, especially with a team that's struggling and, and can't really move the football. Aaron, where can we follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report on just Bear Report on Twitter. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach. Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Um, and, and you can read my work on the Bear Report as well. We'll be back next week, hopefully recapping a uh, Bears win at Monday Night Football and talking you into the bye week. Till then, everyone stay safe. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs. 
From technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.